and ride with me in my foul life. Welcome back to the Foul Life Podcast. Coming at you again live from New York Basswoods Lodge. We're up here having an unbelievable time chasing these molt migrators with Nick McNamara, all of his guides here at Basswood, and he's put us up in an awesome camp. We're cooking every day. I got my main man again with us from the Midwest Fowl Life Podcast Edition, Mr. Joel Cleefish, straight out of Wisconsin. He is a connoisseur of wild game, y'all, especially wild goose. He loves eating Canada goose the most. He just is uh, getting ready to head to Spain to kill a, a stag over on the, uh, on the Europeans country of spain he's excited for that but right now he's in goose camp with us he's my guest today on the foul life brought to you by the provider finish what you started the providerlife.com today's episode is also brought to you by sig sour the nine millimeter the new 10 millimeter the 380 we have them all we believe in the right to bear arms we believe in our second amendment but we also believe in the right approach we also believed in the fundamentals we also believe in teaching safety and security to our our kids the next generation why it's so important important to respect the firearm and that safety is number one when you're dealing with guns and ammo first and foremost every single day of our lives but we love to live life to the fullest and we believe in protecting ourselves in order to do that and that's why we lean on and partnered with the one and only sig sour please support sig sour check out SigSour.com. go up and visit them in the in the northeastern part of the united states they're an amazing brand their innovation their engineering their design their handguns are second to none i promise you that that is why they have been winning all the awards and all of the bids they've been going after with our police forces and our armed forces, our military. Thank you, Sig Sauer, for being a presenting sponsor of the Foul Life Podcast. Today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast is also brought to you by Mickey Thompson Racing, the best tires on the market. We just went 12,000 miles round trip from the West Coast to Texas to Tennessee to New York to upstate New York, back to Syracuse, back to New York City to Harlem to film with some of FDNY's finest and NYPD's finest. Mickey Thompson tires are a class act, a classic ride, comfortable, quiet, balanced, just make you feel like you're gripping the highway, the dirt roads, the cornfields. We've had them everywhere. Thank you, Mickey Thompson. Thank you, Sig Sauer. The Provider presents the Foul Life Podcast. We're on with my man. Joel Cleefish, straight out of Wisconsin. And today we're talking about another one of his wild Canada goose recipes. This is Canada goose, pulled Canada goose and Wisconsin cheese curd chimichangas. These chimichangas were next level. He's going to tell you how he did them and how they weren't just deep fried. This was an unbelievable approach to the Mexican dish, the chimichanga with pulled Canada goose and legit authentic Wisconsin cheese curds. This is Joel Cleefish along with myself, Chad Belding, right here at the Foul Life Podcast, brought to you by The Provider, theproviderlife.com. Get your new cookbook, get our dry rubs. We truly appreciate your support and remember, finish what you started. I hope you all enjoy the episode. Hey man, what's up? We're having the hunt of a lifetime here in upstate New York. Was it a good one today? Oh, my gosh. I've never seen wingtip to wingtip like that of such massive flocks just doing it dirty in the decoys. I'm going to bring one up on my phone real quick. This one's really good. Look at this. Look at that. Watch them finish. We're up here at Basswood Lodge. Nick McNamara. Look at that, Joel. That's unbelievable. He gets so excited watching him. I got so excited watching him today a couple times I forgot to even pick up my gun. We killed 13 out of that flock. <laughs> yeah. It's funny we're talking about a Canada goose up in upstate, uh, Canada goose hunt up, up here in upstate New York, Basswood Lodge. 
I mentioned Nick McNamara, our buddy, our buddy uh, Matt Williams that I met over with Tony Vanamore and the Habitat Flats crew in Missouri, lined us up and introduced us to Nick. What a guy, what a crew. The guides are awesome. Got to hang out with Cody and Spencer today and a whole bunch of our friends from Boston. New friends. That was kind of cool, meeting some some police officers from Boston, huh? Yeah, they were good guys, really good guys. Great shot, decent shots, too. Great to decent. Which one is it? Well, well hopefully they don't listen to this. In between great and decent. <laughs> in between great and decent. I mean, there were a few fucks I watched come and set up. And I, I, I literally forgot to pull my gun up a few times. I was in awe seeing them just, just entire giant flocks. And we're hunting standing corn. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Really cool. That, that's my favorite way to hunt geese. I really? love hunting standing corn. I love being in the middle. Yeah. There's something about an edge that I think makes every animal leery. I think that you're going to finish geese. I get it. But man, there's nothing like, in my opinion, either a panel blind, if it's right with the right cover or they're like off of a pivot line or something or ground blinds with, you know, some corn and some natural vegetation to where you can suck them right into the middle of a field. Yeah. When they, there is something special about in a layout blind in the middle when they're landing on the boot bag, there is something very special about that. But when you're in standing corn, it's like you can watch them the whole time. You know, when you're, when that's the part that gives me such joy and excitement is when I can watch them the whole time. When you're, you know, if you're in a layout blind or if you're in, you know, a panel blind in the middle, you got to keep your head down until they're finishing. And sometimes you can't see where they are or where they're going. Maybe it's a false sense of security when you're in the corn, but you feel like you've got a hide that they can't see you because you've got the corn leaves point. over the top of you and you can watch them the whole time, which is really fun. Yeah. And you get them tight. I mean, we were killing yeah, them tight and it's tight. early season. Um, but I wanted to talk another recipe. The one you made today for lunch. Uh, it was awesome. It's just unorthodox out of the box thinking that we stress here at the foul life and the provider when you're preparing your wild game. And we mentioned it in our last recipe when we went over Canada goose liver pate, you started to get into that pulled pork kind of ideology of doing it with geese slow cooking them i don't do this with spec you can if you're killing a bunch of specs like in california kill 10 specs per day per man i still don't do this recipe because i love plucking them skin on there's so specs in the the wet rice are just a different breed of goose way better than snow goose way better than canada goose to eat no i don't care what anybody it's probably better than a sandhill crane a wood duck a canvas back, a mallard in the corn. I'd say it's a rice-fed speckle belly goose. November, December, January in California, Louisiana, Arkansas, maybe East Texas a little bit. Some parts of Texas, Lubbock, Texas. Um, I'd say it's the best tasting waterfowl there is. I've never even, it blew my mind. I had this thing in my mind. I had created this aura around Sandhill Crane. And I went Sandhill Crane hunting in Texas uh, with J.D. Stanley out there. And yeah, I remember that. I had this absolute, I was expecting Sandhill Crane to be this most unbelievable tasting thing. And, and when I ate it, it was phenomenal. But then we did a similar thing to the speckle belly goose. And I can honestly say there is nothing better on a plate as a protein that I've ever had. That's speckle belly goose. I've had an Italian way uh, recipes. Um, Mike Parker makes this ch- uh, a berry reduction sauce with it. He, I've had it with several different berries, cherry, boysenberry, blackberry. Um, 
But when you get it right and you get the reverse sear on it right with a crust and a bark, kind of like a filet mignon or yes, a piece of beef, much. and it's got that raspberry meat on the inside, we're actually going to cook a speck tonight, yes. a full body speck. Yeah, we're gonna, we're going to make up. Uh, we're going to try something a little bit different. I I noticed that we had some wild. Uh, I think it was ground elk or ground venison in there. I'm going to make a stuffing uh, for the middle of it. We've got a plucked uh, speckle belly goose with the skin on. We're going to do on the Traeger. Um, kind of beer can style, except we're not going to put a beer can in it. We're going to we're going to stuff it uh, with kind of a uh, meat. No, that's here we go again. Loaf. He's starting to give away. Sorry, too much of a future recipe. Oh, I get so excited. You guys tune it. in. You girls tune in later on. Another episode here in the near future <laughs> of a provider recipe right here at the foul life podcast today we're talking about the one though you started doing the same thing in the truck on the way back yesterday we took some canada goose breast and we put them in the foil like you started describing at the end of the last podcast on the recipe for the pate the liver pate well out of the canada goose which still blows my mind now we're teaching people how to you know eat canada goose liver which is cool (laughs) but we started you know we got we we take that pulled pork approach to wild game and you i've done it with a ton of different moose roasts and elk roasts and and if you do it right and you have the right kind of consistency and the moisture and and all of the the different um texturing with your you know the 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 water base or your broth base we used the chicken broth last night and that canada goose and then you mix it with these provider dry rubs talk to me about what you did last night we got the foil tins out covered it in foil with the canada goose press in there but take the listeners through what you did with the broth and how you got that consistency of pulled pork with that can of goose and then i'll come back in to introduce what you did with it once we got back from the hunt this morning for our lunch today yeah if when people eat the canada goose that we make they can't believe it they, they literally can't believe it i mean i will serve it i served it my 16 year old daughter had a bunch of high school friends over and i served it and they were like oh mr k this is the best shredded beef i've ever eaten in my life and i said well it's canada goose oh i can't believe it and it's such a simple recipe that anybody can do on any uh traeger on any grill one of your best friends on a grill is going to be these disposable aluminum foil tins go out get a dozen of them before summer starts get get two dozen of them before summer starts use them so you take your canada goose breast and you put it face down in the tin. Then you fill that tin with water over the top of the breast. I usually add an inch or two above the breast. Then take cooking oil. Um, you know, you can throw a stick of butter in if you want, uh, because that's exactly a cup of butter, and that'll make it slightly more rich, which is fine. But you can use any cooking oil. I use the cheap stuff because I go through so much of it when I cook Canada Goose all, all, all fall. So I'll take a cup of oil. So water to the top of the breasts, one cup of oil, one half a cup of acid. So that's lemon juice, lime juice, apple juice, apple cider, orange juice, balsamic vinegar. You can use any acid. So a half a cup of acid, and then it's up to you. What do you want it to taste like? You season it to what you like. You can use the, the dragon spice from Provider, the dragon rub. That way you're going to have an Asian flair to it with a little spice. Use your swine. That's your sweet, salty flavor. Add a little bit of a sweetness to the saltiness of it. Whatever your favorite all seasoning is, your favorite all seasoning salt is, add it to it. That's your three recipe 
unbelievable pulled goose recipe, but the key is how you cook it. You put your Traeger or you put your grill on 250 to 300 in the tin. You've got your meat on the bottom, your goose breast. Fill again with water to the top. Add one cup of cooking oil and a half a cup of acid of your choice and seasoning salt to taste. You cover that tin with tin foil as airtight as you can make it. Throw it on the grill at 250 or 300. Wait a minute. I got I to gotta stop you right there for a second because I got to make sure I'm following this now. Hold on one second. My buddy's bringing me something. This is for the celebration. Um, that seems hot to me. Well, now if I was going to do this, I would be more of like a 210, maybe a 205, 210, 215 guy for eight, nine hours. Because to me, 300 is going to slam. I don't know this. So I'm asking you if you've done this because that seems high to me. Now, the, the, the way that I learned this recipe was from a good buddy by name, Joe Robinson in Michigan, Fred Zink and I, he was buddies with Zink and we went up to Ontario and we were smacking the geese. And I'm like, what are we going to do with all these geese? Well, Joe Rom's like, I'm going to show you. Well, back then, we didn't we didn't have a Traeger. We, Traeger was around, but I didn't know what it was. And we we used a pressure cooker, like a, a crock pot. Crock pot. A lot of me thinks that that's cheating, but they, they come in handy, right? Especially at Goose Camp. But um, he showed me that pulled pork. But he did it on eight hours of low and then one hour of high on the crock pot the last hour, the eighth, and ninth, the eighth hour was high and he did do the acid he did the acidity and we used dr pepper and coca-cola sure perfect. and i saw you cheat a little bit last night with a little bit of the the yellow stuff I, I, mellow I, yellow i threw a little mountain dew but the little mountain dew but <laughs> to me i just want to make sure our listeners understand i think that this is a trial and error deal that you have to try it on what you're on what you kind of grill you're using to see where you're going i think that if you do a slow cook at 300 degrees you're not going to get the the outcome you want on a traeger i don't know if you have or not but that seems a little hot to me well it's a lot you cooking on the grill is very similar to a crock pot when you got your crock pot on low you're cooking between like 180 degrees and and 225 that's where I would be for the a first crock six, pot seven on hours. High is going to be right around that 250 to almost 300. Yeah. Mark. So you're doing the same thing. But I'm going to tell you a key to this. If you are, and it also will speed up the time it takes to cook it. You know, a lot of times I'm timing things back five, six hours versus having eight, nine, 10, 11 hours to cook something. So that is something to be cognizant of. Something else is that how depending on how tightly you have that top tin foil on there make sure that your breasts don't become exposed by the liquid that evaporates on the grill you're going to have liquid that evaporates on a grill versus in a crock pot or a pressure cooker it's not going to really evaporate because it's capped tightly on the top so you do have to make sure you keep liquid over the top of those breasts but your ultimate outcome is when those breasts start falling apart you cook it on a little higher temperature, it's going to be done two, three hours sooner, but you do have to make sure you're not cooking it at too high a temperature that it's exposing the meat and drying it out. At, you're, you're doing the same thing that you're doing in a crock pot or a pressure cooker, except for the fact that you're adding the flavor of smoke on the grill, which I think is one of the keys to making you know the dynamic uh, flavor profile because you're adding the smoke of the Traeger to it or the smoke of, of the charcoal briquettes to to that cooking, uh, whereas you're not doing that in a crock pot. I think that makes a huge difference in the final flavor of what you're cooking also. 
but make sure that whatever liquid you have over the top of those breasts isn't evaporating evaporating and exposing the breast because they will get tough. You can do it. Uh, certainly do it from, you know, that 180 to 210 temperature range for a longer period of time. And a lot of people would argue it's better when you do it low and slow, lower and slower. If you want to get it done in six, seven hours versus, you know, uh, four to five hours, you know, cook it at a lower temperature. And just to be safe, probably that's probably great advice for your first time trying it. So you don't evaporate it and dry out the meat. So you, you, it's a great point to keep the meat submerged. Yes. A hundred percent. Make sure that that meat is submerged the whole time. Do you poke any holes in the foil on no. the top of it? No, you, you want it, it as tight covered. as possible. Always cover. Okay. So now you have it in there. We're going to get our meat to a seven to nine hour cook somewhere on a Traeger is what I like to say. Yeah. I don't like rushing it because there's always parts when I do a moose roast or there's always parts goose breasts are different because you can kind of layer them the way you want. If it's just a single layer on the bottom, you can get the, the constant heat on them, but some parts of the roast don't cook the right way. If you try to rush it, in my opinion, now you can do it if you're, if you're an experienced chef or cook, but you get them to that point now to where you get to that eighth hour, you turn up the heat a little bit and now you put 300 to 325 degrees on the Traeger for that last 60 minutes. And you are getting that, that last stages of that pulled pork, meaning that when you take that, and I like the, what you touched on in our last podcast on the liver pate is that you don't want to just take the foil out and then dump all of the, dump all the broth out in the bay in the base out and to get to your meat. You want to slow, you want to take those pieces of goose breast out. And this is where, this is the other thing that I want to talk about on, on how I learned this, this recipe after we talk about this, this segment here is you take it out and they're going to be shrunk. They're going to shrink yes. by this time because yep. they slow cooked and they're going to be little, but they're going to be soft and you're going to be able to take two regular forks and just start scraping. I don't like to stab the forks in. I just like to put them on the top and start scraping away and it's just going to start to pull away. hundred percent. That's what I tell everybody about this recipe. The goose will tell you when it's done. You stick those forks in and you have to really pull hard or you can't pull it apart or it doesn't easily shred. It's not done. It's that easy and you're never going to ruin it by checking it. That's another thing about these kind of recipes. It's not like baking a cake where you can't open the oven. You can check on this the whole time. Remember, every time you check on it, you're letting the heat, heat escape and it's going to take a little longer. The goose will tell you when it's done when you stick two forks in it and pull in opposite directions and it shreds apart easily. And when it does that, so when you stick those two, and I check it every time, I ne it's never the same amount of time. It's never probably the same temperature because I'm never measuring exactly. And it's never exactly the same ingredients because I'm going by hand. I'm not measuring anything. But when you pull and the, that meat separates easily like a, a shredded roast, like a shredding a roast, you take those breasts out of the stock, out of the juice, and you set them on a butcher block or you set them on a plate and you shred the heck out of them with two forks. And remember, that muscle meat of a Canada goose, that's all muscle. There is no fat inside of it. It's all muscle. So it's literally, you're going to tear it apart right out of the stock, right out of the juice, and it's going to be dry. It's going to have this dry appearance to it. This is one of the areas that a lot of people take a, the wrong turn because they'll shred it, and then even if you pour barbecue sauce on top of it or give it some kind of sauce, it's still got a dry texture. So the key to making this recipe delicious for everybody to love is you shred it, then you put it 
back into the stock. And remember, your stock is now a flavored bouillon. It's a goose, essentially, wild goose flavored bouillon with a fat in it and the citrus in it and your salt. Then you shred it and put it back in the stock, into the tinfoil, into the stock, and stir the heck out of it. Stir it and stir it and stir it. Every fiber that breaks down and the more shredded it becomes, the more those fibers are going to absorb that stock right into the meat. So you've broken down the fibers of the meat. They're going to absorb it right into the meat, give it that slippery pulled pork uh, consistency. And I always say the word slippery because that clicks in everybody's head. They know what I'm talking about when you eat pulled pork, which is very marbled and it's got that fat and, and that bacony kind of taste all the way through it. It's because it's got that slippery consistency right through the meat. What you're doing is putting that consistency into the shredded goose. And when it accepts that and absorbs it into it, oh man, that is just absolutely to die for. And it's perfect then for whatever your next step is. So the thing that I do with this recipe that in the cookbook you'll see is, and what Joe Robinson taught me in zinc is 20 minutes of boil and this is a very this is very interesting because when you take the 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 oily the oils and the fat content of a goose breast or duck breast I've done a lot of cool recipes by starting this off I got made fun of the other day because somebody remembered being in camp with me in Canada I believe and they saw me do a recipe where I boiled the the goose breast first well what comes out of that goose breast in that 20 minute period will make you almost throw up it, it would happen with beef. It would happen with anything if you did it right. But what you're doing is you're removing a lot of that unneeded, the fats and the oils that are in the goose breast that cause a lot of the gaminess in it. You can get rid of a lot of that dirtiness, I call it. There's dirtiness in a wild animal, okay? That's And, and there's dirtiness in in domestic animals there this and i'm not saying you have to do this because i've done it without it too but there's something to be said about the quality of the meat in this pulled goose recipe if you boil the breast first in a, just a regular canister on the oven on the stovetop not the oven the stovetop with boiling water and you and you keep it in there for 20 minutes with the lid on and when it comes out you just get a little bit of cold water running in your sink and you pull them out of there and run the the the, the cold water over them and get all of that debris off of them and then your pot's full of stuff that you did not want to put into this slow cook recipe because once you put start slow cooking Canada goose in a broth style with moisture covered with you know with the moisture or the consistency of whatever liquid you're using you're starting to pull a lot of that stuff out anyway. So his hint was, and try it and see which way you like it more. Joe's hint was, get all of that out of there before you go to the slow cook process. Well, I definitely like that idea. I mean, there's three ways to take what's called that gaminess taste out of it. Okay, that's in the enzymes of the meat, and it's in the base of the meat. So, the you know, all meat has got a base in it, and in the base is where you, that flavor is, that taste that some people uh, aren't fans of. There's three ways to do it. There's heat over time, heat. So boiling it is going to do that. There's literal pulverization, and then there's acid. So, uh, you know, we all learned in chemistry class in high school that acid reacts with bases. So if you have a base and that's where your flavor is, if you add an acid to it, it's going to contradict that. So in essence, what you're saying is when you boil it, and this is something that's been used historically in many places 
where they eat a lot of the organ meats because they they utilize every single part of an animal. Like yeah, like the tri, the stomach line. Yeah, yeah, even in, in you know Europe, they would eat haggis and kidney pie, and they would boil the meat first because they're trying to draw that enzymatic taste out of it, and they're successful in doing that. And that's I'm assuming probably without even knowing the chemical reactions from you know, you know hundreds and thousands of years ago. They didn't know why, but they boiled their meat first very often when they did prepare it. So I, I think that's good advice. I think it's definitely something that uh, that I'd like to try. And that's what's great about cooking is the beauty of cooking is every single thing you learn about cooking, every time you learn about it, you learn that you need to learn about 10 times more. And so use people's secrets. Try them. You might like it. For me, I like the taste of wild game better than store purchase meat now. I like the taste of it better. Uh, I have not, you know, boiled things before slow cooking them before, but I don't, I guess if you're, if you want the meat to assume whatever flavors you're adding to it, the more of that taste you get out before you start only makes sense. So now we got the slow cook going on. We got the, we pull it all apart. We put it back in our base and we keep stirring it into that broth and that base that's got the, the goose, like, like what you said, it's kind of got this like goose juice in it now. Right. Yes, yeah. And that shredded goose goes in there and it starts to get that moisture, that slick feel to it, like sure. a pulled pork consistency. And now we get to today's recipe. There's a lot of things you can do with it. Once it's in the state, what I would do is I would take that out of that broth and I would, get that broth out of whatever you know out of the tin or i would get a new tin or i would get a pot and i would take that that goose meat and put it in there and it's got that slickness to it now and i would add a little bit more of maybe a dry rub and then i would add a barbecue sauce a homemade barbecue sauce most of the time and then you stir that in there and then i would take an onion bun like joe robinson taught us and i would put that pulled goose on there one slice of cheese and some pickles and bam, you got a pulled Canada goose sandwich. You're going to go out of your mind with that sandwich too. I mean, and it's, it's amazing. It's mind. blow your mind. Amazing. Yes. But, but there are different things you could do. And what, one thing I like that you do is when you take that pulled pork out of there now, that pulled goose, you had your skillet going. Yeah. So that, now to, today's recipe was thought about as you walked into the house, you already knew that you were going to make a quote unquote breakfast burrito right. with Canada goose. Right. But then you went, I'm going to do chimichangas. So take us through the steps of this uh, Canada Goose breakfast chimichanga. This is why it's so great to cook and why you don't have to be a great cook to cook great. Because you can think of things on the fly. And when you have this pulled goose like this, your imagination is the limit. That's it. So you want to go Mexican, you can add the Sonora provider rub. You can add cumin. Go go Mexican. Go that direction. You want to go the direction of Italian, you can add uh, oregano, garlic to it after it's cooked. And you can go, we have goose lasagna in the fridge at home right now. You want to go Greek, you add your oregano, make it tzatziki sauce. It does not matter which direction you want to go. When you have that base uh, meat that's shredded and and it's uh, slippery and delicious on its own, whatever direction you're going to go. And, and I one of the coolest things about camp, when you're at camp, you're usually staying in a place you're not familiar with. You don't know where your utensils are. You're going to have a couple leftover spices in the cabinets always. And you're going to have very few um, of the comforts and the things you're used to at home. So one of the fun things for me is making something up with what you got at camp. Now, I flew out to New York to meet you. Uh, we met in Syracuse yesterday. 
uh, my wife who likes to she likes to give it back and forth to, uh, with Chad a little bit. And he was giving us the business about cheese curds being from Wisconsin. So she literally went to the store and bought nine different brands of cheese curds. For me. For you, yes. Yeah, She's like, you. I'll show I just that. want to make sure I'll we throw that, that in son there. Of a, yeah. I'll throw that guy. I'll show what, that guy. What, what kind of cheese curds we have. So I came out. We, we, had, we have a fridge full of cheese curds, different kind of cheese curds. And I thought to myself, man, wouldn't like goose cheese curd... An egg, scrambled egg breakfast burritos be phenomenal. And then it clicked into my head that if we put a light saute on each side of the burritos, we're turning them into chimichangas. And that crunch, that crunch you're going to have at the at the beginning, and then you're going to have the consistency of the pulled goose, that's going to be just with that the firmness yet melted cheese curd on the inside. I thought that's going to go well together. So what I'd love to do in the Michoacan region of Mexico they would flash fry their meat after it was slow cooked. So they'd slow cook it, shred it apart. And when you slow cook it, you can use, you know, the fats of the meat and whatever meat is, is utilized when it's, when you're using the whole animal, you're using the fat, you're using the cheek, you're using the tongue very often. When you slow cook it, they would uh, use that meat and do Michoacan style, which means flash fry it afterward. I love to do that because what you do then when you're making any, you know, if you're making a Mexican dish is you get that crispy outside. You get that oil hot in your pan and you throw your stewed meat, essentially, your stewed meat, your meat that's pull, pulled apart and you throw it in with some hot oil and you just saute it around until it gets that char on the outside of it. So now you have your strands of meat that are a little bit crispy on the outside and that charred outside and they're still tender and juicy on the inside and that to me real and and add some spices while you're doing that in whatever direction you want that meat to taste but then you have that crispity kind of crunchy uh, meat exterior with the chewy juicy inside and that is just one way that's going to make any mexican dish you eat phenomenal so i did that in the pan then I threw some cheese curds on, and at that point, then I stopped uh, really, you know, pushing it back and forth in the skillet because I just wanted those cheese curds to settle in on top of the meat, essentially. Then I cracked four eggs on the outside and kind of gave them a soft scramble so that they were still real yellow and white because when you're uh, when you're cutting into something, you see that yellow and white of the egg. Remember, you don't have to over-scramble everything. You don't have to do it in a separate bowl. You can do it right in one dish. So I, I scrambled uh, the eggs right in the skillet next to the meat that had the cheese curds on top of it. And then I took some some uh, burrito shells or some tortillas. And I want to, this one cool thing too, if you're kind of watching your carbs out there, they've got these low carb tortillas now, which I like to use a lot. And they're only three or four net carbs in each one. Use regular tortillas, but the low carb tortillas work just as well. So you can, you know, feed a wider uh, variety of people's tastes, I guess. And so I put them into the tortilla and wrapped them like a burrito. And then where that seam is, this is kind of key to making chimichangas, where that seam is on the bottom, you put that face down in about a tenth of an inch of oil, of hot oil, and you let that fry on the bottom. And then you flip them over and let them fry on the other side and serve them up. And they're going to have that crispy exterior. And when you cut through it, that shredded meat with the crunchiness to it, and the melted cheese curds that were on it. Oh, my gosh. So it's cheese curds eggs. and goose meat on the inside. Cheese curds, goose meat, and scrambled eggs. And the scrambled eggs on the breakfast burrito. Yep. 
no added onions, no added nope. bell peppers, nothing no. on the inside. Now, a chimichanga, correct me if I'm wrong, is usually deep fried after it's yes. put together. I, and I don't, the reason that I don't like chimichangas is because the tortilla grease conquers the, the flavor of what's inside of it. Yeah. And that wasn't the case today. No, it's not because, and I, this is how I do Do you agree with that though, that chimichangas? I do agree with that. You know, you'll cut into them often, the, 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 Oil, when you deep fry them, settles into the pockets of the tortilla and you cut that pocket open and oil's pouring out on your plate. Yeah. I have gone to sauteing my chimichangas. A chimichanga is just a fried burrito. That's what it is. Right. A, a, a burrito fried is a chimichanga, but I do them uh, skillet top. First of all, you don't have to have all the grease. You don't have to, you know, smell up your whole kitchen or, or the outside. You don't have to have 10 inches of grease. You just put a little oil on the bottom. And again, you can use a healthy oil. Use olive oil on the bottom of them. Put that seam down. And when it's sizzling in there, what, what's going to happen is that uh, oil, that hot oil will cauterize that seam. And then when you flip it over, uh, you're frying the other side of it. You're going to end up with that perfect chimichanga that's light and crispy and is not saturated in oil on the plate. Yeah, I can't stand that. I mean, it was awesome today. That was, and, and we just went over two recipes with this pulled goose. The one with the sandwich and the onion bun and the cheese and the pickles. Yes. And, and the barbecue sauce. Which is not to be underrated. It's so simple. It's so good. But it's so good. And that one, and that one, um, I've, I don't, I'd never flash fried it because usually you're serving like 40 people in camp and you got, right. you get rid of a lot of geese that way. Yeah, but there's no need to, there's no need to in that. You kind of, you're looking for that uh, slippery, you know. That's not a Mexican meal. Pulled, pulled pork. Sandwich is what you want it to taste like. And when you make a sandwich like that, again, you can personalize it however you want. I love pickles on that. I'll put a slice of American cheese on top of that with pickles and a little mayo yeah. or mayo racha on the top. Give it a little extra spice. But is that sriracha mixed with mayo? Yes. It's mayo racha. So the the chimichanga Canada goose, pulled, pulled Canada goose was awesome. I like how you flash fried the meat. And then the addition of the Wisconsin flavor, bringing the Wisconsin cheese curd to New York, <laughs> um, was awesome. Then you got the scrambled eggs in there that we were New York farm raised eggs here. It doesn't get any better than that. It was unbelievable. And you you're taking you're taking this meat off of an animal that has a reputation of being terrible table fare. Yes. And you're getting creative, and you're eating what you kill. Love it. You're finishing what you started. You started off by scouting. Setting up decoys, hiding, concealment, calling, decoying, flagging, dog work, boom, 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 boom. You're still not finished once it's dead. You get your pictures with it. You go back. You might celebrate with a cold beer with your buddies, but now it's time to get that meat off the bone and get it ready for what we did today. And those geese aren't even 24 hours old, and they're already in a chimichanga. It's so fantastic. Come here. There is... Jack, grab that mic from Joel real There's quick. There's literally you? nothing this more. This is Jack Orlandi. He's that. an Italian. He, he, his Nona, who's uh, rest in peace, Nona Orlandi. But she was an awesome Italian chef. But for Mexican food, that chimichanga was bomb today, right? Definitely bomb. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Because you're a little guy. You weigh maybe a buck forty, soaking wet and wearing like boots. I like food though. But you ate those chimichangas, two of them, and I saw you wrap a little bit of the second one up, and you probably already went back and finished it, right? Not yet. You're, I'm going to get it before you get it. But no, that was a good chimichanga, that. right? That was amazing. Canada Goose. Pulled Canada Goose chimichanga. Get creative. Think outside the box. Be unorthodox. Um, 
tonight we're having speckle belly goose. We're going to have this recipe for you on an upcoming episode of the Foul Life Podcast presented by the provider, theproviderlife.com, with our guest from Wisconsin, Joel Clayfish. What did you think of the hunt today, Jack? Canada geese in your face, standing corn, upstate New York. It's pretty cool. It was awesome. I mean, uh, I don't know if Joel's mentioned it yet, but we get a good amount of honkers in Wisconsin. That's where usually what I would hunt from in uh, central Illinois. But I've never seen big geese, that amount of big geese finishing in the decoys. Usually we'll get maybe biggest is 15. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, you still kill the heck out of the geese there, but to see 20 to 40 just setting in the decoys and not be lessers, that was pretty damn cool. Yeah, it's there's not a lot of places. Nebraska's a place where I've seen big flocks of big geese finish. It's Kansas, hard. I've seen it, but there's not a lot of places. I actually have seen them in Wyoming. Just, I, It might be a, a pressure deal. I don't know. It might be something to where these geese don't get broken up as much. They don't get, I don't know. They're, they'd be a good, there's a lot of hunters in Wisconsin. I wonder how many goose hunters are in New York. I, would, I, I know there's way more deer hunters in Wisconsin and New York than there are goose hunters, but I, I wonder if goose hunting is, is really popular around here because those geese gave it up today like they had never seen a decoy. You know what I mean? We got lucky. I mean, that was a good hunt. To start us so off, good. we got seven more days of this. And that brings up a great point. Seven more days of killing Canada geese. The limit is 15 per man. We're in the New York early season where you don't have to have a plug in your gun and you can have up to seven shell capacity in your gun for Canada geese. 15 per man per day with no plug in your gun. What the heck? I didn't even know it existed. Those first round of shots were pretty funny. It's yeah. just different. To and I want to educate experience. people that we're in a state that they want us doing that. The local population, the molt migrators, they're, 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 they're balancing it out and they're, and they're managing their Canada goose population, which is kind of weird because like in a month from now, the limit goes to one. I believe it's one out here, Maryland, New York. So weird. I mean, different parts of this Atlantic flyway are one goose per day. Could you imagine wanting to go to the Eastern Shore, one of the most historic spots in the world for Canada geese, and the guide goes, all right, we're done after one flock. Seven of you kill seven geese, and they're like, "That's you're done. It happens all the time. I went there, and I'm like, we're done already. And at that time, it was two apiece, and it happened so fast, you're just like, all right, well, let's go to breakfast. It's like, is it even worth setting up for one goose? You got to really love goose on. All right, thanks, Jack. That was a great chimichanga. Joel Clayfish's pulled Canada goose chimichanga thinking outside the box and i'm telling you what joel said is so legit when you get that moisture getting that that pulled goose back into that broth and getting that moisture on it and stirring it and stirring it and stirring it and then taking it and having a little bit of olive oil in your skillet and you just flash fry it not much at all not much at all a little crisp on both sides and it's still medium rare in the middle you're going to have an awesome experience with your mexican food i'm i'm envisioning a wet burrito i'm envisioning a wet burrito enchiladas 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 but not real i don't like my pet peeve on enchiladas is when people let the tortilla get too crispy i'm not a huge crispy tortilla even the corners i like them to be soft sopping wet sopping wet i love i love wet enchiladas verde and red sauce i like them both that's that's a go-to man i take the enchiladas out to the goose field with us in the morning i got a traveling crock pot that i put them in to keep them warm and we man enchiladas are so fantastic i got that should be a future recipe we should talk about because that's a pretty easy one to do you can bake it in maybe the oven we do it when here it's done. yeah we got enough it. geese 
We got no, we got That's no Joel Clayfish. I'm Chad Belding, the Fat Life Podcast. Another episode brought to you by the provider, theproviderlife.com. Finish what you started. Dry rubs, cookbooks, two new rubs coming, the mother clucking chicken rub and the brand beef rub. We're fired up and we got a sauce we're working on with the man you just heard on this episode. Are we really going to do this? Absolutely. You're sure? Why not? I cannot wait I'm to not introduce to the world. We are excited for it, theproviderlife.com. Thank you all so much for the support of the provider, the provider TV. Check us out on Instagram and TikTok at the provider life. We got a lot going on and we got a lot coming your way. Coming at you live from upstate New York, the Basswood Lodge, Nick McNamara, my boy, Matt Williams. Thank you so much for having us up here. We're just getting started. And remember, finish what you started. We'll be back at you with another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you, girls. In the meantime, check out the song My Foul Life by 2AM Logic.